group of people getting the Bible for the first time. It's so powerful. May we never take for granted as a congregation what the Word of God means to us in each of our lives. This morning, we're very thankful uh, as a staff and missions committee uh, to have Dan Tolan here uh, to speak to us from God's Word, uh, to speak his heart. Um, I'm just very thankful for both he and Cindy. And would you please welcome them right now? Wow, that video is touching. And to have the privilege and very heavy responsibility of bringing a message after that video. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. In Acts chapter 2, one of the apostles began to speak and people heard in many languages, their own language. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. I want to speak to you about that this morning. How God needs you and I to take his word to be a living presence, to be a living Jesus to the most difficult parts of the world. Let's pray. God, I'm very unworthy. I feel that this morning. And so, God, I ask that your spirit would just speak, shield people's eyes from seeing anything but you and hearing anything but your word and your voice this morning and for their lives and give them a challenge, each of us, Father, give me and everyone in this room a challenge to go deeper with you and our life and mission. Amen. But we have God already, she said. He sits on the stump. One man came and stayed with us a few days. He left God on this stump. And we pray to and we worship the God on this stump. Pastor Arap Kilel was in southern Sudan having journeyed there with four other leaders of Africa Gospel Church. They were on an exploratory trip in South Sudan. No plan, following no roads, driving along cow paths, and they were hoping that God would lead them to places where they could send Kenyan missionaries into the vast unreached peoples of South Sudan. Passing by one small village, they felt an urge to stop, and they drove along the cow path to that small village, and beside one small hut was a carved, old, weathered, cracked wooden statue that sat 
on a stump. It had been there for several years. And of course, greetings were followed by the hot tea that's everywhere in that part of Africa. You drink hot tea in a 110 degree day to cool you off, of course. Villagers began to congregate and they were curious about Pastor Kilel and the other people that had come. Some were wearing skins, some were naked. Conversation turned to why the visitors had come and they explained they were looking for a place and a people to come and tell about God. And that's when the answer came, but we have God. He's here in this stump. He is. This is God. A man came and told us and put God here, and that's what we worship. I want you to listen today, Burn First Missionary Church, because without knowing it, you've made a difference already in this village. Pastor Kilau was a chaplain at Tenwick Hospital. In 1977, he was hired by Ernie Sturry, a missionary doctor from this very church who grew up in this very town, Burn, Indiana, just two miles or a mile outside on north on uh, Highway 27. Pastor Kilau was the first Bible school trained chaplain at Tenwick Hospital. And almost three decades later, now Kilau stood in this remote village who worshipped a wooden idol. Kilel taught from the scriptures, and he taught about creation. He taught about the fall, and for hours they taught. And he taught about Jesus and the truth. One old woman who appeared to be the oldest in the village began to get upset, began to get agitated. And finally, she stood up, and she asked the question, I think that was on other people's minds. She said, why, why have we not known this truth until now? We've been praying to and worshiping this God for a very long time. This God is dead. He doesn't move. He does nothing. And she took her cane and she hit that God to the ground and it broke. She said, we have heard the truth and we will worship this true God we have just heard about. That story rings in my ears even today as it did when I first heard that story just shortly after Dr. Sturry passed away in 2002. Well, a few months later, the director of Africa Gospel Church's fledgling Missions Department and I left Nairobi. Our goal was to reach the border of Kenya and South Sudan. David Mutai's dream was a string of churches along the road of which we would pass, reaching from just north of the equator of Kenya to Sudan. And from there, the church could spread into South Sudan and the Word of God could reach that village, and even beyond. On that trip, we slept where we could. We ate camel meat. We drank camel milk tea. But God began to move in a real way. That, took, that 
trip took place in August 2002 after Dr. Sturry's death. You get the connection, Burn, First Missionary Church, Ernie Sturry sent from this church, hired David Kilel. I heard this story. My heart was with that part of Kenya, David Mutai, and I made that trip. You've sent us from this church. God has worshiped there today. There's a string of churches along the route, and the most northern town of western Kenya is a church where pastors come from Sudan to be trained today. God is being worshiped there this morning as he is here. And the form of worship may be different. We're in a beautiful, restful, peaceful sanctuary. They may be under the open African sky or under a tin roof. And our forms and functions of worship may change over time. It may be different today than it was yesterday or last year or decades ago. And that's good. But our one who we worship is unchanging. The question still rings, though, why has nobody come to tell us? Why has nobody come to tell us? Could we look at that today? Could we refocus our vision in mission? So many people in the world today are still asking, why has nobody come to tell us about the true God? Or they don't even know that they should be asking that question. Young people, more than any time in history, the future of missions needs and is going to be radically different than what we're used to in the past. If the most difficult of places to reach and the darkest places on this earth are going to be penetrated with the gospel, for the people who live in the deepest fear in the world, in their lives, if these places are going to be reached with the written and the spoken and the living word of God, it will require a radical transformation in our lives. I want to ask the young people especially, are you ready? I think you are. I get the privilege of working with young people, of working with college students and helping them move towards mission, of training up new doctors and nurses in missions, trained 60 new medical missionaries this year alone. Are you ready? Will you commit yourself to a cause and a purpose far above any other cause or purpose for which you could find to dedicate yourself on this earth? It will take all of us young and old to ask God, can you radically reshape our lives, reshape our commitment, reshape our prayer lives for mission, reshape our giving to mission, reshape our sending to mission? It's truly going to require an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as seen in Acts chapter 2 when there were some men that were gathered for a purpose in a home. And the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one place and a sound came like a violent wind from heaven. It filled the house that they were sitting in. There seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were filled with the Spirit and began to speak 
in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to. And it goes on and explains about how God brought language to people's ears. They could hear in their own languages as people spoke. Miraculous healing took place. Radical, powerful, life-changing messages were received by people. And at the middle part of that chapter, it says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the church in that day. 3,000. Would you be willing to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to radically transform everything about missions so we could read about things like that in the future. Josh, Joshua went with us from Johnson City, Tennessee to a small village in Africa quite a number of years ago. Joshua had just decided my life is in shambles and it needs something. He had just turned to Jesus and was seeking, who is Jesus? And over that two and a half weeks of being in that village in Africa, you could see that Jesus and Joshua came face to face when he experienced Jesus in the hearts and the faces of the lives of the Africans that Joshua went to minister to himself. Joshua was radically changed. He came back. He committed himself. He went to Haiti. He decided that his calling was to train pastors for villages in the hills and mountains of Haiti. And he walked those hills and mountains for two years training. And then he set out on a difficult task to reach a lost people group in northern Africa, and he took one Haitian Christian brother with him. They had no plans, no contacts, no organization, nobody that they were to meet. They just thought God is directing us there. Today, 75 house churches with people being added to those house churches daily. Acts chapter 2 is alive and well. The Word of God is alive and well. So our purpose, the purpose of our existence, why were we created is to worship our Heavenly Father. But worship has become broken. Worship has become broken. And mission, mission is not a recruitment project for God's workforce. It's not a recruitment project for God's workforce. Mission is a liberation project from the heavy burdens and hard yokes of dead and worthless gods who live on stumps in places all around this world. And people say, our God does nothing for us, but we still worship that God. They need the true God. We need to take the rod that gives been given us in our hand as, as Moses did his rod and reach it out and break down those barriers of fear 
and break apart those gods and let people see the true God. We must refocus our worship. Oftentimes we're tempted to worship the things that we are about. Sometimes we say, you know what? What I worship actually are the things that end up being worthless. We begin to worship, and it's a very shallow worship. It's not rooted deep in Christ, but we begin to worship the activities that I do, the history of this church we started, the status I am. We worship relationships that we have. We worship reputations I am seen as. We worship possessions, things we hold. And like it or not, our culture teaches us to do that, even in the church. And those things are shallow. They change from day to day, and they can be gone in a heartbeat. But God calls us to worship as saints things that are unchanging, given to us by God, things we can rest on and always worship Him. We are saints. In Ephesians 1, chapters 1 and 2, this comes directly from there. We are saints. We are forgiven. We are adopted into a new family. We are secure. We are alive. We're alive. And we are knit together, connected together in this adopted family into an alive, living, breathing church. And the danger in missions, as in all ministry with the church, is the longer we're in mission, a project, a ministry, the greater the danger we begin to live for what depends upon our own efforts. We begin to live for what depends upon our own efforts. There's activities, things we have started, so many things that we live for instead of getting back to worshiping the one true God. I just moved from Tenwick Hospital to... Kajabi Hospital, and I met Ludia, a Sudanese lady that had osteomyelitis of her leg. Her bone was showing. There was pus. I looked at her, and I said, Ludia, we need to amputate your leg. Some of you I know have heard this story before, but I want to make a point with it. Ludia, we need to amputate your leg just below the knee, and we can get an artificial leg for you, I explained to her. She said, no, I can't. I want you to try to save this leg somehow. She was a pastor's wife. She'd been struggling with this. She was a refugee from Sudan. She said, I've been struggling with this for 20 years, and I feel God is going to heal me. I thought, wow, I don't know what to do. So we operated on her. Remember, I'm in a new hospital a new place. I'd come with a history. My reputation in this new hospital was at stake. What are people going to think of me? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to think I'm a good doctor, a good surgeon or not? I operated on Ludia's leg and she got worse. We did another operation. She got worse. The third operation, the infection now was so bad. I went to Ludia and I said, Ludia, we're now going to have to amputate above your knee. An even more difficult life for you than before had we operated below. She said, okay, let's do that. 
I said, surgery will be tomorrow. I went to bed that night, uneasy, but tried to sleep, and in the middle of the night, it was like I heard Jesus say to me, Daniel, who do you worship, and what do you worship? your own training, your skills or abilities. I want you to just get out of the way, Daniel. I'm about ready to do something good. Get out of the way. Sometimes the problem is us. I went to Ludia the next morning. And I thought, how do I tell Ludia this now? I said, Ludia, in the middle of the night, I just felt like we should not do this amputation. She said, that's okay. She said, I, I have a verse that just tells me the peace of God is with me. He rests upon me, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And he's always with me. I trust him. If he's told you that, I trust him. We took Ludia back to the operating room and cleaned out her leg once more. And in three months, she walked out of that hospital. On that leg, God did something good. We need to refocus our worship. Our spiritual identities must be changed. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles were waiting for something. They said, we have had a birthday. With, we have been identified with Jesus, but we're not ready yet to minister. What happened? God's Holy Spirit fell upon them. Are you really, really open to saying to God, uh, well, maybe not. Maybe we would rather be prepared for mission by something we accomplish ourselves, our education, our training, our outward giftedness, our finances, anything. They give us security and comfort. But we, when we learn the true secret of being filled by God in a radical way, you know that the disciples were trained under a great master, weren't they? They'd been with Jesus for three years. They learned at the best university. They could catch the most fish. Was that what they relied on? Today we would call that success by making the most money. No, their preparedness was based upon what God did in their hearts, not their previous history. Those men, what did they do? They denied Jesus, their previous history. They fell asleep at praying. They deserted their job and they went back to fishing. Well, the church grew because of their inner preparedness, not their outward appearances. Our preparedness and mission is to seek a deep spiritual identity through the power of God within us. And then there's the presence of Jesus in mission. Can you put up that picture? Here's Janeth, a little girl that stood before me, age eight, both legs amputated. Again, Dr. Sturry is in this picture. He had to amputate her legs when she was eight months, of old because, eight months old because of meningitis with sepsis. Had to remove her legs. She came to me and tugged on my jacket, said, can you get me some legs? I said, no, I don't know where to get you the legs, sweetheart. An hour later, Dr. Dottie, can you get me some legs? 
Janet, I don't know where to get you some legs. An hour and a half later, Doctare, if you really wanted to, you could get me some legs. <laughs> okay, Janet, long story short, I promised her today in Nairobi. I found a place that was going to be making plastic legs molded to plastic feet. A man from India was bringing that project from Jaipur, named Jaipur Foot. Janet got her legs. Another man said, I'm going to put you in school. Another man helped her mother, who was a widow. Janet with no father. Here's Janet now. This was in June of this year. She calls me, Daddy. She said, Daddy, I'm completing my second master's degree. And I've been elected to the, kind of like be a state senator. I've been elected as a state senator to this area. And do you know what my job is? I'm assigned... I'm assigned to those with special needs. People who need wheelchairs and legs and special education. And I can identify with their infirmities, their illnesses, their pain, their suffering, and their rejection. I know what it's like. More than anything, God is still calling us to be a real living Jesus in the most difficult parts of the world. Are you truly, truly committed? Would you, would you be willing to say, God, radically change my prayer life, radically change my giving, and radically change our sending. That might be you have to release your children to go, your grandchildren. Man, I'm facing that. You know how hard that is? Yeah, you do. It's tough. God's calling us for a radical change. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, may our hearts, our lives be radically changed by you. Christ Jesus' name.